Angie has made it easier than ever to hire high-quality pros to get all your home service jobs done well. Just bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie will connect you with local pros who match your specific needs. Or book a service instantly at an upfront price. So join the millions of homeowners who use Angie to care for their homes and get your next home service job done well. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Welcome to an HBO podcast from the HBO Late Night series, Real Time with Bill Maher. I know why you're happy, because we're back from vacation and Trump is on his. It's amazing. No, we were off the whole month. The day I come back, he goes, it's like we're lining up our cycles. <laughs> Donald Trump. But, I mean, just the concept of a Trump vacation. How, what? I mean, he spends all his time golfing, eating cake, watching TV, tweeting stupid shit. What? What's a vacation for him? Lapsing into a coma? I, I... <laughs> and, you know, usually, we've seen this over the years, when presidents go on vacation, they always, the White House, puts out a list of the books they're going to be reading. <laughs> right? You know, like, always something fun but respectable, a Tom Clancy novel, and then, of course, a, a, a book of poems by a black lady. <laughs> and ten books about Lincoln. With the Trump White House not even trying to put out this list. They were like, we are the most full of shit people in the history of the world, but there are limits. We're, we're not even gonna try. But he's going partly on vacation because the White House needs a renovation. It is an old building. Of course, there are eight people, says a Sports Illustrated writer, who heard Trump say, the White House is a real dump. <laughs> I mean, can you imagine... We'll get to that later in the show. <laughs> Uh, I don't want to tip the ending, but it just galls me. A real dump, to call it a dump, I mean, maybe it needs some work, but a dump, when I think of a dump, I think of a place that's full of rats that's leaking. Oh, wait. Trump going to learn that everything he says now, he's the president, is going to get out there. This week, he had a very bad phone week. <laughs> very bad week with the phone. First of all, he claimed that there were two calls that happened that plainly never happened. One with the head of the Boy Scout. Oh, did you see that Boy Scout thing? <laughs> that speech? That speech was the creepiest thing. I have ever seen a Republican politician ever do to the Boy Scouts. <laughs> and Dennis Hastert used to fuck them. <laughs> <laughs> but... 
But yeah, Trump claimed that after that speech, which the Boy Scouts had to apologize for, apologies for the president's speech, he said the head of the Boy Scouts called him and said it was the greatest speech he'd ever heard. And then they got hold of the head of the Boy Scouts. He said, no. No, never happened. Don't have his number. Wouldn't say that if I did. And then Trump said the president of Mexico called him to praise his immigration policies. They got a hold of the president of Mexico. No. <laughs> Not at all. Wouldn't do that. We keep records. Ridiculous. <laughs> why, would, why would the president of Mexico praise yeah. Trump's immigration? <laughs> because they had a big new immigration policy proposal this week. Trump wants to cut legal immigrants in half. He wants to cut immigration in half, but don't give him any ideas. Uh, <laughs> No, they want to change the policy to bring in immigrants only with skills that America needs. You know, engineers, doctors, Slavic lingerie models. <laughs> Just... <laughs> and then, you know, his conversations with foreign leaders, they were leaked this week. I don't know if that's a good thing. But he tells the president of Mexico at one point, I won New Hampshire, which he didn't. <laughs> I won New Hampshire because it's a drug-infested den. Okay, this is so fucking ridiculous. I, I have been to New Hampshire. It's not a drug-infested den. And I would know because at my house, I have a drug-infested <laughs> den. I actually have one. <laughs> it's my man cave. But, but then the call, you saw this one to the Australian prime minister. This one takes the cake. First of all, Trump uh, doesn't know the word for refugee. <laughs> He's struggling. He doesn't know the word for dairy, apparently. He's talking about the fact that there's 1,200 Australian immigrants who are coming here. We promise to take them. The Australian prime minister is patiently explaining to this idiot that they've been, <laughs> they've been vetted by both the Australian and U.S. security officials and Trump. Uh, uh, no, I guarantee they are bad. He says, <laughs> they are not going to be wonderful people who are going to work for local milk people. <laughs> local milk people. This is when the Australian prime minister says, put mommy on the phone. <laughs> But, <laughs> but, you know, let's catch you up. I've been living off a month. Christ, it's... Oh, thank you very much. Let me catch you up on what happened with some of the... A lot of changes at the White House in one month. Sean Spicer, the press spokesman, out, right? Reince Priebus, he was the chief of staff. He's out, replaced by General Kelly, who was the head of Homeland Security, who's out there, and now Rick Perry, they say, is going to be in. Also, Eric has been demoted to Tiffany. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Jared is now married to Kellyanne. And uh, to no one's <laughs> surprise, Ivanka is replacing Melania. Um... <laughs> Also, also uh, Jeff Sessions is still hiding under his desk. <laughs> and Rex Tillerson will now be reporting directly to Putin. Okay, so those are the changes. Uh, Steve Bannon's position is still the same, bent over, <laughs> sucking his own cock. Okay, that's, well, that's not my... 
Those were the words of Anthony Scaramucci, who I, I never even got a shot at. <laughs> this guy was in and out faster than Taco Bell. <laughs> it was like an episode. It's like an episode of the Jersey Shore where the situation moves to Washington for a week. <laughs> but, ladies and gentlemen, all that chaos is over now because Trump has called the military and General Kelly is on the case. He's the chief of staff. Now, no more of this erratic, unhinged bullshit that's been going on. He's going to find out who's responsible for that. <laughs> Who could have been? <laughs> Yes, the White House has a new sheriff. He is kicking ass. He is taking names. Everybody's got to look right now. Today, General Kelly knocked on Steve Bannon's door. He said, hey, quit sucking in there and get back to work. <laughs> All right, we got a great show. We got Kristen Soltis Anderson, Josh Green, and Michael Weiss. And a little later, we'll be speaking with the Faith and Freedom Coalition's our friend Ralph Reed is here. But first up, he is Planet Earth's most tireless champion, his sequel for the Oscar-winning An Inconvenient Truth is out now. It's called An Inconvenient Sequel, Truth to Power. He's also the author of the companion book, Truth to Power. Al Gore is over here. Al Gore. Oh, look at that. Give you a well-deserved... Thank you. Oh, please. Thank you. Al Gore is here, ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Okay, so uh, <laughs> I didn't mention. Oh, you got your cowboy boots on. There, yeah, there. That's right. For the tour. We forgot you're from Tennessee. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I didn't mention you were the vice president. You were the vice president of the United States. Yep. Okay, great. Um, <laughs> I took that out of the intro. I thought they knew it. Uh, anyway, so um, I want to ask about this movie because back in 2003, James Hansen said we are approaching a tipping point. Yeah. If we don't do something in 10 years, uh, it's too late. Well, it's past 10 years. Mm. Your first movie came out in 2006. Similar kind of predictions. Um, are we kidding ourselves about the tipping point? Are we moving the tipping point? <laughs> well, uh, people mean different things by the phrase. The, the most important meaning is, uh, have we crossed a point of no return where this thing spins out of control? And the scientists still tell us, no, we have not gotten to that point. We can still avoid the most catastrophic consequences if we start acting boldly now. And we have begun to start. But some tipping points have unfortunately uh, been passed. I'll give you an example. A very large part of the West Antarctic ice sheet just yeah. two years ago, they said, okay, that's crossed the tipping point. It is now going to be gone no matter what we do. Uh, and that actually hit me pretty hard when that news uh, came out because it, it does mean that there's going to be considerable sea level rise no matter what we do. But we still have the ability to control the pace of that disappearance and sea level rise. And we still have the ability to stop other ice sheets behind it from crossing. Now, there's some other tipping points that are kind of uncertain. We're taking huge, dangerous risks now that we should not be taking. So when the sea levels rise, w w obviously we could lose, like, Venice. We could lose Florida. Yeah, I just... And who would know better about losing Florida? Uh... <laughs> I just... I... <laughs> 
Actually, <laughs> actually, I think I carried Florida. That's right. Okay, there you go. I, I think but so, that's, too. That's another, uh, we we will go I there. Had to do there that. are a lot of coastal cities that uh, are going to face a real uh, danger. And I went to yeah. Miami in the making in the of movie, this movie. Yeah. I saw fish from the ocean swimming in the streets just right. because it was high tide. Uh, and by the way, this week they had more than six inches of rain in two hours, and it flooded again for a different uh, reason connected to the climate crisis. The uh, Norfolk, Virginia, the largest naval base in the world, is going to have to be moved because of sea level rise. Galveston, you can go down the list, but the big danger is for poor people in places like Bangladesh and Calcutta and Mumbai. Right. And, and you know, when you talk to Republicans about this, they seem to have a couple of talking points that they always go to. Uh, one of them is, why should we do anything? Because China isn't. Mm. That's not true, right? <laughs> not, not, not anymore. Uh, so address all these. Yeah, China is doing something. Another one uh, of them is it's going to cost jobs. It's, it's, it's bad for the economy. That's not really true. Not true. And the other one is the science isn't really settled. <laughs> all these are bogus, are they not? Yeah, they are. Uh, China is implementing a, a cap-and-trade program right now, closing hundreds of coal-burning plants building more solar uh, farms than anybody else by far. India, by the way, has done a U-turn since the Paris Agreement, and they're moving you swiftly. You personally negotiated that with Well, them, right? there are a lot of people, yeah, yeah. a lot of people did. But the solar part of it, right? Well, I was, I was happy to be asked to, to help by Christiana Figueres and the other leaders of that conference, and I like to think it did some good. But uh, India just announced that within only 13 years, 100% of all their new cars and trucks are going to have to be electric vehicles. That's more than we're doing on the transportation side. Uh, now, um, as for jobs, solar jobs are now growing 17 times faster than other jobs in the economy. The single fastest growing job is wind turbine technician. The real bright spot, spot for creating jobs and higher wages is in renewable energy and the sustainability solutions. We ought to be investing in that to put more people to work. Uh, but... <laughs> but, uh, you know, Trump was in West Virginia again the other day. Yeah. I guess it was yesterday. You know, whenever he's down, they... they... <laughs> They put him in front of one of these rallies, usually in a place like that, and he promises them they're going to go back into the mines. Yeah, yeah. He said, are there any Russians here? In Russia, when they said you're going to go into the mines, it's a threat. <laughs> here, it's a reward. I don't understand why people want to go back into the mines. It has to be the worst job in the world. Well, the coal companies themselves eliminated most of those jobs with mechanization, and right. then cheap natural gas from fracking came in and finished off most of the rest of the industry. It's, it, it's not coming back, but we have an obligation to those miners. They and their predecessors did help to build this country. They ought to be getting the training they need and getting the opportunities that are opening it, up now. Okay, so why can't... Why can't Democrats sell that to them? That we could retrain you for a job that you probably would like better than being in a dark hole where you, the life expectancy is yeah. about 15 years less than everybody else. Yeah. Uh, for probably a better wage. Yeah, we ought to be able to, and we ought to get back to the kind of social contract we once had to recognize that some of these economic changes are not going to be under our control. The world is moving on. 
but we owe it to people who are hurt by the transition to give them the opportunities uh, that, that they need to, to find new and better jobs. Absolutely. <laughs> they still love you. So, okay. So, uh, Trump wants to pull out of the Paris Accord, um, something which, you know, I always say, the kind of people who would negotiate the Paris Accord, these are the people who should get the medals. <laughs> because it just cannot be easy to get 190 countries or yeah. whatever it is. Same with Kyoto, which you were very involved in yeah. in the 90s, on the same page. This is tedious work yeah. that people should get a clap on the back for. Okay, he wants to pull out. We thought maybe when you went to Trump Tower and talked to Ivanka about it, she... <laughs> What? Well, you, I, I you did. Yes, I did, and I talked to uh, the, the then-president-elect, and that conversation continued after he went into the White House, and I thought, actually, there was a chance he might come to his senses, but I was wrong. Uh, and then, when he made his speech uh, pulling out of Paris, I really was concerned that some other countries might use that in, as an excuse to pull out themselves. But the very next day, the entire rest of the world redoubled their commitment to the Paris Agreement. It almost had a... We'll show you, Mr. Trump. Almost had a salutary effect, right? Yeah, it's, yeah. Uh, it, it did. Uh, it, you know, in, in politics, there's a law that comes out of physics that sometimes works for every action. There's an equal and opposite right. reaction. And it happened here in this country. Jerry Brown in California, Andrew Cuomo in New yes. York, other governors, mayors business leaders stepped up to fill the gap and said, we're going to meet the commitments under the Paris Agreement, regardless of what Donald Trump does. Looks like the country is going to do that. I'm all for states' rights. States' <laughs> rights, Al. Environmentalism today, environmentalism tomorrow. That's what I say. Uh, okay, so um, let me ask you about this. You say, and I think you're absolutely right about this, that we have to, if we're going to fix climate, we have to fix our democracy yeah. First. Now, when you won slash lost the election, you got 500,000 more votes mm. than the guy who took over. Hillary got 3 million more yeah. votes. This trend is not going in the right direction. No. This thing where we get the most votes and they get to be president, that's a pattern now. And it's not going in the right direction. How do we stop that? Well, I do think it's time to get rid of the Electoral College and go to a popular <laughs> But, but going that's back... A, that's a constitutional amendment that... Well, it... Uh, no? That's one way to do it. There's also an initiative uh, to have a compact among the states. It started here in California. Right. It, it, it could work. But even more importantly than that, we have to get big money out of politics. They, the lobbyists and the right. fat cat contributors hacked our democracy before Putin hacked our democracy. Right. And we need to defend it uh, and, and, and put the people back in control. And we can do that. Okay. And uh, finally, you know, I, I think we're totally on the same page here that we have to talk to younger people who think somehow that someone's going to come up with a great invention that's going to solve climate yeah, change. Yeah. You know, I did a long thing here one night about Mars. Mars is not the backup plan. Yeah. No one wants to live on Mars. Yeah. And I got a lot of pushback from millennials saying, yo, you're anti-science. Mm. 
I'm not anti-science because I don't want to live on a planet with no air. <laughs> yeah. We got to make it here. Yeah. There's no backup plan, right? Yeah, that's one of the points I make in this movie. I'm all for exploring Mars. That's an exciting prospect. But like you, I'm against the illusion that we've got a backup planet and we're going to move to some... We couldn't even evacuate New Orleans when Hurricane Katrina right. hit. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for what you do. You are the tireless champion of this cause. You had it right all those years ago, and, you know, time has only proved you more of a prophet. And I know you were on a plane. You're getting on a plane. You never stop. Thank you, Al Gore. Thank you very much. Al Gore, ladies and gentlemen, he should have been president. Thank you. See the movie. <laughs> see the movie, yes. Go see that movie. Thank you very much. Thank you. All right, my friend. I'll okay. see you soon. Thank you. Let's meet our panel. Okay, here they are, our panel tonight. He is the national correspondent for Bloomberg Businessweek and author of Devil's Bargain, Steve Bannon, Donald Trump, and the Storming of the Presidency. Josh Green over here, Josh Green. How are you, sir? He is a CNN analyst for international affairs and co-author of ISIS, Inside the Army of Terror. Michael Weiss back with us. Hey, Michael. And our returning champion, she's a columnist for the Washington Examiner, host of the Pollsters podcast, Kristen Soltis-Anderson. Hey, how you doing? Okay, so, like I said, so much happened while we were off, even though it was only a month. But let's not bury the lead for folks who uh, t turn off all news while we're gone. <laughs> the good people. Um, the most important thing that happened in July is that the effort to repeal Obamacare failed. And is it, Lamar, yes, Lamar Alexander, Republican senator from Al Gore's Tennessee, he is actually now working with, it looks like, Democrats to, instead of get rid of Obamacare, maybe fix what's wrong with it. Uh, do you think we're at a place now where the Republicans know they've been defeated and that oh, they realize that Obamacare really is the moderate, sensible, common-sense solution to this problem? Or am I dreaming? No, uh, they don't. But I think that... <laughs> <laughs> I think that people in states like Tennessee, like Lamar Alexander, realize that if they don't do something to fix it, that the exchanges are going to collapse. There are counties in Tennessee that look like they may not have health care coverage at all. So it's a problem for people who actually have to govern and have responsibility for citizens that needs to be fixed. And I think that uh, people like Alexander, especially the Republican governors of these states, understand that you know we, we've tried for seven years. We've given you guys seven years of rope to try and get rid of this thing. Uh, you've you failed, and now we gotta, we got to do something to fix the yeah, problem. The, the really conservative wing of the party has long promised we're going to repeal and replace Obamacare, and they've taken that message to the ballot box over and over. And when they had the opportunity to do it, you still had folks on the far, far right. You had folks like Ted Cruz, Rand Paul, who every time a plan would be put forward would say, well, that doesn't repeal it enough. And you had the White House not really engage at all. I mean, Donald Trump is not going to be able to sway a Susan Collins or anything like that, somebody from a moderate He state. threatens them. But, but the people, he, should, the people he could have been threatening, would have been, he could have made life really uncomfortable for Rand Paul, really uncomfortable for Ted Cruz, but never really went there. I, I don't think the president ever really cared that much about repealing and replacing Obamacare, and I think it showed. And not as uncomfortable as voters would have made for them. I mean, if they're going to do this, it's going to be out of self-preservation. You, know, you get Lindsey Graham going up there and saying, well, I think this bill is a turd, but I voted for it anyway. Well, good luck running for re-election on that 
platform. You know, the, if you look at that moment, that seminal moment with McCain coming in at the last hour and giving thumbs down, and the, there, there was clap, you know, applause and, and cheering on the Democratic side. There also looks of, of just absolute relief on some of the Republican senators. Thank God John McCain did this. He took another right. one for the team, right? Because we didn't want to back this thing, but we did it out of party discipline. But doesn't it look to you like the Republican senators, anyway, are pushing back against Donald Trump? I feel like they finally are checking him. They want to put their Frankenstein on a leash. They... <laughs> they, uh... They, you know, just bringing up this health care as maybe we're going to work with the Democrats. They do not want him to sabotage it, as he keeps talking about, because they're going to pay for it. They also, this month, uh, they're going to stay in session so that he can't do a recess appointment for Jeff Sessions. Okay. They, they, uh, they wrote a bill that says you can't fire Mueller. Um, sanctioned, Russian sanctions. He didn't want that, and they put that through. This, to me, is positive, that finally these Republican senators have had enough. I, I, I think that's right. But, yeah. but um, <laughs> Trump still, I don't think, has come to terms with the fact that he is failing legislatively. Uh, Health care failed. He's now going to try and move on to tax reform. If you talk to people in the White House, they think this is going to be easier. It's not going to be easier. Uh, and at the same time, you have this uh, encroaching... A special counsel investigation with a new jury impaneled. You have Bob Mueller, who has put together a team of federal mm -hmm. prosecutors that's sort of like the, the Golden State Warriors for financial <laughs> crimes investigations. And Trump is feeling the pressure. You can see it in his tweets. You can oh. see it in the way he reacts. And that's only going to intensify. But I still think the dam has not broken yet because tax reform is this prize. That If there's one thing Republicans right. all agree yeah. on, it is they want to cut taxes. And so I think... The and the markets, the economy still does well. The prospect, Better, yeah. the prospect of being able to implement tax reform, something so many of these folks have wanted for so long, is why I think many of them, they'll grumble about him in private. If tax reform goes down, if it doesn't work, I think that's when the dam breaks and things get really up. But you notice... Also, the intellectual strain of conservatism is now turning markedly against him. Senator Jeff Flake comes out with a new book, the title of which is The Conscience of a Conservative, stolen from Barry Goldwater's 1960 Manifesto for Modern Conservatism. In the book, he's saying that Donald Trump is basically a, a bigot, a bully, and a moron, unfit to be president of the United States. Michael Gerson, Michael Gerson, who is a former speechwriter for George W. Bush, wrote a thing in the Washington Post today saying... This is one of the bravest political acts I can remember. This is, I think, the beginning of, of a kind of fracture. We saw sort of a hairline fracture with health care, but I think a lot of people are going to realize, again, when it comes down to their own reelectability, backing a guy who's got, what, a third of a, of a popularity vote, the lowest in, in, I think, presidential politics at this point six months in, that's not a... That's but is, a, Jeff, my, my, with, my, is Jeff Flake voting against Donald Trump, or is he well, still the, voting with... this is the question. On exactly. what issues will they turn against Easy to write a voting? book, but he still votes with him. But the other problem with Flake is his approval rating in his own state is lower than Trump's yeah. approval rating nationally. There's a poll that came out that showed him at 18%, so there's no guarantee that this is, like, the master stroke for Republicans... To break sure. yeah, Trump every time and, these, and save their base. Every time, you know, some of these guys do something where they stand up to Trump, I mean, it can make... Uh, I, I like it. I like when they're checking the executive. Uh, but I understand that I'm kind of lonely within my own party in that regard. Trump still has around 80% job approval among Republicans. Right. When you ask questions like, do you think that he's presidential, he still gets very high numbers among Republicans. He's still well-liked within his own party. And so it's a big risk for a lot of these folks, even ones that come from purple-ish type states, to come out and oppose him. And what do you think about the generals 
now taking charge. You know, General Kelly in there. General Kelly, who, by the way, the media loves. He's such a great guy. A little research on General Kelly. He's, he was for torture against women in combat. When he was head of uh, ICE, he was known as the deportation machine. He calls pot a gateway drug. I know they deliver it to my gateway every <laughs> week. Um, but, you know, now that the generals are in charge, shouldn't job one be that our country was attacked? Yes, it was a cyber attack, but you're generals. And, we, and the commander-in-chief is still AWOL on this issue. What are we doing about the next attack? But the thing the, is, he's, appointing all these generals is good on paper, but you know, every one of them, Mattis, McMaster, who abased himself by, by denying that Trump did what he did, which is give intelligence obtained by the Israelis on ISIS to the Russians when he met them in the Oval Office. It's like all of these professional, disciplined, intelligent military officers they're like washed up on the island of misfit toys, you know? They come in saying, we're going to right the ship, we're going to make everything organized. Kelly, according to the New York Times, is not going to futz with Donald Trump. He's not going to tell him to cut out the Twitter feed. He's not going to try and manage the president, just the people around him. If you can't manage a pathological personality disorder, and as the dearly departed Mooch says, the fish rots from the head in the administration, guess what? You still have Donald Trump running the White House, and you still have the same dysfunction and the same incompetence. But the fact that he would say that actually suggests to me that he's realistic about what he can achieve. If you think you're going to come in and be able to take Trump's Twitter password and take his phone from him and run that, you are delusional. No, so I the agree. fact that he knows I agree. That, that that's off the table, I think the one thing that he can do to be positive, he can't change Trump, but he can change some of the information flow to Trump. He's not going to be able to turn off the Fox News. He's not going to be able to take the phone away. But this idea that people could just walk in and out of the Oval Office and leave whatever crazy memo on his desk, if that stops, there's a chance that that diminishes some of the all-over-the-place nature of this Th There's a chance, but there's, a also, there's also a general uh, worship, and there's a trope in journalism that says this new guy comes in, he's the new Jesus, right. he's the star, he's going to fix everything. And Trump has an unmatched capacity to... to, to he exudes a kind of dignity kryptonite where these... You know, impressive people in other aspects of life come in, and they're just withered and diminished by proximity to him. And maybe, maybe Kelly can break that mold. He's a pretty tough guy, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet. He my didn't even want way. the job. It took, I think, weeks or months of cajoling for him to even take it. He said multiple times to, in private to people, according to reports, yeah. that he's thought of quitting his, his former job as it, well. It is kind of like being the fifth wife of Henry VIII. <laughs> you know, you, <laughs> what could go wrong? Right. Uh, okay, well, there's a new wrinkle at the White House, which is in the press briefing room, Sarah Huckabee Sanders is now reading letters from children. <laughs> I'm not making this up, right? You guys all follow the news? Okay. Pickle, we witnessed right? it. Yeah. Well, that's the one. That, uh, he's, she's read two so far. The, the first one, yes, was this is, um, this is the real letter that she read. Not to dear leader here, reading children's letters to the president. My name, Dylan. My name, <laughs> D This kid is nine years old. It's, it's more of an indictment of the educational system of America. Uh, you know, this, I don't blame the kid. Who, uh, he, they haven't taught him is at the age of nine. They owe this kid an apology, whatever school system. But everybody, okay, my name Dylan, but everybody call me Pickle. I'm nine years old, and you are my favorite, spelled wrong, president. I like you so much. I had a birthday about you. My cake was the shape, S-H-A-P, see me. <laughs> Here, Dylan. Shape of your hat. 
How old are you are is spelled A-R. You sure Trump didn't write this himself? <laughs> How big is the white hose, H-O-S-E? How much money, M-O-N-N-Y, do you have? I don't know why people don't like you. <laughs> you seem nice. Can we be friends? My pitcher is here, so if you see me, you could say hi. Okay, so now what happened is it went to the kid's head. Now he's writing every week. He, he wrote another letter. Would you like to hear a second letter the president? Okay, this is... Dylan's other letter. It says, Dear Mr. President Trump, you are my favorite president and color. <laughs> Do you like your boss, Mr. Putin? <laughs> when I drink too much milk, I get in tr trouble for Putin, too. <laughs> I like you so much, I had a birthday about you. Over three million people attended. <laughs> We had a piñata. It was fun. When you beat up on real Mexicans, does candy come out? <laughs> My mommy says you are what you eat. Did you eat an orange? <laughs> How much money do you have? <laughs> if only there were some way to find out. <laughs> how you're always watching TV instead of doing your homework. Me too. <laughs> you should see my mommy's face when she says bedtime. And I say, that's fake news, you're fired. <laughs> okay, so, um... Can I... Before I uh, talk to Ralph here, could I ask about one more thing with... Don I hate to... Everything is about Donald Trump, but fuck it is. Um, <laughs> this call that we saw the leak of. First of all, do you think it's cool that we are leaking the transcripts of calls? Because I'm all for leakers, because they are telling us valuable information. But I don't know how this helps a lot. You know, he's on the phone with the president from Mexico. You know, of course, he looks like the asshole on all these calls. The, the other person doesn't. But it's still... There's going to be a guy, hopefully, after him in that office... This is not the precedent we want to set, right? No, not at all. A president has to have space to have okay. private conversations with foreign leaders. But Trump has squandered what little faith and trust I think he had from the national security establishment coming in, and he's being punished for it. Yeah, he declared war on his spies and, and people who are charged with protecting America, and now they're, this is their way of getting their licks in. The thing that disturbs me most, and I think one of the reasons they leaked this, is with most presidents, there's a public face and a private face, right? With Trump, you were hoping that there'd be some man behind the curtain who spoke in articulate, coherent English, and instead he sounds exactly the same as he... He, he called right. Mexicans bad hombres to the president of Mexico. Right. There's literally a line in there where he says, I swear to God, he says, I didn't want to talk to you. I didn't want to talk to Mexico. I didn't want to talk to anybody, but Jared Kushner made me take this call. And right. by the way, pay for the wall. I, right. And this is a guy who's supposed and, to be a great negotiator. And he also says that, you know, this is not really important to him, right. the wall. He's, he maybe is the worst kind of person, an insincere racist. Yeah. <laughs> when, 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 Donald Trump, when Donald Trump says that they're out to get me, the right. deep state is out to get me, the right. government... I came into the White House and now the government is out to get me, 
when stuff like this happens, it proves his point. Right. And it, it gives <laughs> yes. him the ability to then, when, it, when he comes out and says, it's all fake news and they're all out to get me and I'm a victim, stuff like this is ammunition for him to use. Okay, let's bring out Ralph. Ralph Reed, where is my introduction? He's the chairman of the Faith and Freedom Coalition and my personal spiritual counselor. Ralph Reed, please welcome Ralph Reed. Ralph, how are you? Great to see you. Thank welcome you for back. coming on. All right, now, Ralph, you're, I know you're praying for me, right? I am. Hate the sin, love praying the sinner. Your, Am I right? Your soul, Bill. You love the sinner. Okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so let me ask you uh, a few questions about what's going on in this country. First of all, there was a big brouhaha about the Johnson Amendment. I know that's something you must care a lot about. That I do. That was to President Lyndon Johnson, something that was made back in the day, which said that churches, which are tax-exempt, Therefore, the deal is, because they don't pay taxes, they should not endorse anybody from the pulpit. And now they want to change that with Trump in office. Isn't that unfair to have it both ways? No, it's not, because I think what's happened with the Johnson Amendment, first of all, it was put in the Internal Revenue Code in 1954, specifically because Lyndon Johnson, who was then the Senate Majority Leader, was trying to silence a radio evangelist who was being critical of him. And I don't want politicians in Washington telling us who can criticize them on the air. I don't want that for faith leaders. I don't want that for you. I don't want that for news organizations. That's not what this kind. is about, Ralph. No, it's Come exactly what it was about. And let me tell you what's happened, Bill, because I've lived this for over 30 years. This has been used by the IRS to go in and persecute, harass, intimidate, and attempt to silence churches and major ministries. No one's they'll doing bring that, in, Ralph. No, they'll no, bring in IRS this, agents. They'll stay this, there for this martyr long complex. periods of time. Oh, and on. and you'll have you'll have churches, mega churches, with maybe a sixty or hundred million dollar year budget, racking up millions of dollars in legal fees. Why? Because a pastor said to a crowd once, "I like this candidate." Free speech is what made America great, okay, and, and it applies then, to Christians okay. and other people of faith. Just then as pay it does taxes too. Then just pay your taxes because you know what? Wait a minute. You're, Wait a minute. You're, you're, churches are selling a product like everybody else. It's an invisible product. Nobody ever comes back from helping heaven and gives it a bad no. Yelp review. Ralph. Bill, that, so, Bill so, that, that's not fair. Ninety percent of the homeless shelters in America are operated by either churches or faith-based organizations <laughs> <Okay>. or ministries. <laughs> and for the right. millions of people every day who go to a homeless shelter or go to a food right. bank in America, this is not an invisible product. People of faith minister to people every day. And if you want to tax that activity, because no, we, somebody... We, well, we don't have to tax that activity. We don't tax charities now. The charity part of it could be put apart. But that's not the whole reason for religion. But that's not what the Johnson... So let's am, not... But let's no, say, that's okay. not what the Johnson Amendment does. The okay. Johnson Amendment says you lose your tax-exempt status on all that activity, including okay. helping the poor if you make one political statement. Let me ask you this. Why, why do you think Trump's support among the evangelicals is so solid, more than almost any other president? Because he does over seem... A, over 80 percent. Over 80 percent. Because he does seem like the least Christian man ever. <laughs> to me. You know, I mean... He's a... I, I'm, I'm a friend of his, and I've not found that to be the case. When I first got to... Okay, I... I... No, let me finish. When I first got to know Donald Trump over seven years ago, I'll be honest with you, I didn't expect to like him. I had a view and a caricature of him which was based on his public image. 
And let me tell you what I found out about Donald Trump. And in my party, over the last three decades, if you ran for president, I knew you, and I usually knew you personally. Every time he told me he was going to do something, he did it. His word was his bond. And let me give one example. He ran for president, and he released a list of 21 nominees, potential nominees to the Supreme Court. He was the first nominee yes. of either party to do that. He kisses he your ass. He said, if you vote he, for he, me, he, yep. if you vote for me, I will not choose someone right. like these 21. I will choose one so, of these 21. So what you're saying is... He kept his word. He not only got it done, he confirmed him in 100 days. That hasn't happened since 1881. But what, so you what you're, say, what you're saying is... He said he would do something. Right. As long as he, if he keeps his word to you, but, no, but no, lies no. to everybody no. else. No, Bill. You're, no, that's what you're saying. No. That's... Because you can't deny that he's a giant liar. No, because on October... He's a giant liar. On October the 10th, it wasn't just a promise to me. Okay. On October the 10th, he looked into a camera in the third and final debate with Hillary Clinton, and he said the same thing. It was a promise to the American you're the puppet. people. Huh? That's what he said. You're the puppet. I'm not the puppet. <laughs> you're the puppet. That's what he said what in that What he said, day. Bill, if I can remind you, is he said, if I become president, I will appoint someone to fill the vacancy caused by the yes. death of Antonin Scalia. Right. Who's like yes. Scalia, and uh, he did not, it. Okay. And it wasn't just a promise so you, to the faith community. It was a promise to the American people. Like I said, you forgive all the other lies because the one you care about, he kept. No. Okay. So, but, no. but I mean... It but, isn't just, it isn't but, just Ralph, that. Okay. It's the fact that he but, said that he would work to reduce the regulations put in place by Obama, and but, he's done it. It's the, the fact other... that we have a million new jobs since he became president. It's the fact that... It's the fact that okay. the stock... We have the biggest right, stock but, market but, rally in 57 years th after the election Ralph, of a president. Well, I, I don't throw the term... <laughs> I don't throw the term antichrist around lightly. <laughs> but... Well, that's comforting to know, Bill. <laughs> when I think of Christ and then Trump... Yeah, antichrist... I mean, no, you don't think he's anti... Because, like, I, the, let's take the lying thing once more. You guys call uh, Satan. You believe in Satan, right? <laughs> no? Yeah, I, of course I do. I believe in God and I believe in an, in an enemy. Sure. Okay. I, I could make fun. I'm not because I like it. <laughs> okay. But don't you call Satan the father of lies? Isn't that what he is? Not like a little name you have for him? <laughs> <laughs> Satan's it's, the father of lies? Or that's Bill, something it's about, not, it's so, not my name. It's, okay. it's Jesus' name. Jesus called him the father of lies. Oh, my bad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so uh, Trump, giant liar, Satan, father of lies. Okay. Um, what about the thing that Jesus was sort of... He was not really fond of egomaniacs or rich people. Isn't Donald Trump a rich egomaniac? Who, 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 you know, everything is about money and doing well and winners and losers. It just does not seem Christ-like, you, you know, um, I don't want to particularize this to you. I think it's, it's throughout the entire media universe. There's, there's what I like to refer to as selective moral outrage about things that Donald Trump says and does <laughs> compared to those that they support. First of all, Donald Trump never claimed to be a perfect man. He said that he made many mistakes well, in his life. He's lived up to that. And he acknowledged that, okay? <laughs> but if you want to talk about lies, remember last November we had a binary choice. It was a choice. 
It wasn't just a referendum on him. We had to choose between him and Hillary Clinton. This was somebody who held a news conference and said she never sent or received classified material. Oh, Lord. Lie. Okay. This is somebody who said, okay. or, I all right. I'm not going to litigate that. Personal... Okay, she no, lost. You saying, won. Okay. Over 80% of the American people said they didn't trust her, they didn't right. think she was honest. Okay. And of the 20% of the electorate bill that, were, but, that, that some pollsters referred to as the, the nuns, they didn't like either one of them, Donald Trump won those voters over 60%. Why is, they made a decision. Why are they, they lying? They wanted somebody to go to Washington why and shake are, things up. Why are they lying if they're about so much about Russia? Donald Trump Jr., the subpoenas are out now. They yeah. want to know about that meeting. Okay. When they first heard about the meeting, Donald Trump... It was just about adoption, because we're big fans of Annie. <laughs> and... Uh, and I don't know. At first, it was we don't know any Russians. We don't know any Russians. Yeah. And, okay, we know a Russian. All right, we know three. All right, we know eight. There was, there was one Russian at the meeting. Okay, there was ten Russians at the meeting. <laughs> Stalin's corpse was at the meeting. The Bolshoi Ballet was at the meeting. Uh, but it wasn't about the election. Then it was about the election. If they have nothing to hide, if this is a witch hunt, why are they lying constantly until they get caught? Well, um, we have 45 seconds. I... We don't want to go over. 45 seconds. I'm sorry. First yes. of all, everybody who was in that meeting, including Natalia Veselnitskaya, who was the Russian lawyer, says there was no discussion of any alleged negative Well, if we can't take her word for it... And by the way, <laughs> by the way, she told NBC News in an interview that they got with her in Russia that she never talked to any Russian government official about that meeting. And I understand that there's a collusion, delusion, and the media is fixated on chasing this story like you, like greyhounds would chase a mechanical rabbit. <laughs> All right. But I got news for got, you. For yes. the average American, they don't care, and they know it's a distraction. Yeah. <laughs> You're a good man to come to the lion's den. <laughs> Ralph <laughs> Reed, okay. everybody. It's not Thank easy. All right. It's time for new rules. Okay. New rules, everybody. New rule, the internet must stop showing me this picture of the calf that looks like Kisses Gene Simmons. It's just a reminder to me that the internet is ridiculous and a reminder to the calf's mom that Gene never calls. New rule, the naked mole rat seen here has to try to look less like a penis that could bite me. <laughs> new rule, Anthony Scaramucci and Anthony Weiner must open a pizza place in New York called Disgraced Anthony's Pizza. <laughs> That's right, Disgraced Anthony's, where you can find pictures of our sausage right online. <laughs> We hand toss because our wives left us. <laughs> but make sure you go to real disgraced Anthony's Pizza and not the copycats like original disgraced Anthony's Pizza. <laughs> you New Yorkers know what I'm talking about. Neural, now that we know 20% of America's baby food contains lead, the FDA has to find out if that's why babies are so stupid. <laughs> Seriously, ever played cards with one? They're morons. <laughs> Neural scientists who caught this rare faceless fish in freezing waters off Australia have to throw it back 
I don't like the way it's not looking at me. <laughs> Plus, it's giving an inferiority complex to the naked mole rat. <laughs> All right. And fi- <laughs> finally, new rule Republicans have to tell us. Now that you've made facts optional and changed the status of truth to unknowable, what's next? <laughs> Hypocrisy used to be a thing. Is it still? (laughs) Take a look at Paul Ryan at the State of the Union when President Trump suggested we create jobs by investing in infrastructure. The time has come for a new program of national rebuilding. Yes, an idea worth standing and applauding for. Here's Ryan when Obama suggested the exact same thing. Take the money we're no longer spending at war, use half of it to pay down our debt, and use the rest to do some nation-building right here at home. Yes, either Obama forgot to say Simon Says... Or clearly, the term Republican principles no longer has any meaning. Since Trump got elected, they have pulled utter 180s on infrastructure, free trade, reducing debt, family values, the Constitution. When Obama signed executive orders, it was proof we were being governed by a lawless tyrant. Now Trump does it, and he proudly displays them like he's the Price is Right girl. Trump tweeted 27 times about how Obama played too much golf. Now he plays twice as much. Suddenly the problem of presidents playing golf too much disappeared faster than a Russian journalist. (laughs) And even when you say, as I often do, oh, come on, wouldn't you be furious if Obama had said, you know, the White House is a dump? or whatever ridiculous thing Trump said that week. No, they never admit it. We'd be cool with it. We're consistent. (laughs) So I got to thinking, what if I could actually show Republicans what it would look like if Obama had said some of the things that Trump has said? So here to help us with this little experiment, please welcome, on his birthday today... The 44th president of the United States, Barack Obama, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, so it's not the real Obama. Who could afford his speaking fee? This is, of course, our friend Reggie Brown, and he's here to help Republicans... He's here to help Republicans test their theory that they'd be cool with it if some of the crap that's come out of Trump's mouth was said by Obama. And I stress, this may not be the real Obama, but these are really Trump's words, every one of them verbatim. So let's begin with one we all know. What would it look like if Obama had said this about John McCain? He's not a war hero. He's a war hero because he was captured. I like people who weren't captured. (laughs) 
Not only would he have not won the election, but the screen would have gone black, and when we came back, Wayne Brady would have been there. <laughs> One of the big Republican complaints about Obama was that he didn't respect the military enough. What if they had asked him how he came by his military strategy, and he said... I'm speaking with myself. Uh, number one, because I have a very good brain. <laughs> and, and I've said a lot of things. I have a very good brain? That was another complaint about Obama. Oh, he's too full of himself. Too full of himself. What if Obama had said... <laughs> Sorry, losers and haters. Uh, but my IQ is one of the highest. And you all know it. What if he had said... I could stand in the middle of Fifth Avenue and shoot somebody, and I wouldn't lose voters. Headline in the New York Post, black man threatened shooting spree, gunned down by police. And no matter how much scripture Obama cited, Republicans never believed he was really Christian. Imagine if Obama had said, why do I have to repent or ask for forgiveness if I'm not making mistakes? <laughs> when I drink my little wine and have my little cracker, I guess that's a form of asking for forgiveness. My little cracker? You mean... <laughs> you mean Jeff Sessions? <laughs> Another one of Obama's unforgivable flaws was that he didn't find America exceptional enough. Okay, so if Bill O'Reilly had asked Obama about Putin being a murderer, it would have been okay if his answer was... Uh, there are a lot of killers. We have a lot of killers. You think our country is so innocent? Yeah, Sean... <laughs> Sean Hannity's reaction would have been... Now, no politician ever tells the whole truth always, but what if Obama was so blatant as to say... I got to know Putin uh, very well uh, because we were both on 60 Minutes. <laughs> and then a few months later said... I never met Putin. <laughs> I don't know who Putin is. Yeah, who are you going to believe, me or me? That's just sheer dumbness. Obama wasn't the most experienced president ever, but what would have been the reaction if he kept claiming that things everybody knows were just being discovered? Nobody knew healthcare was so complicated. <laughs> we have to prime the pump. Have you heard that expression before? Uh, I came up with it a few days ago. <laughs> and I thought it was good. Frederick Douglass is an example of somebody who's done an amazing job <laughs> and is getting recognized more and more. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten to the Access Hollywood tape. Republicans, you're really going to tell me you would be okay if Obama had said... Uh, I moved on her like a bitch. <laughs> 
I just start kissing them. I don't even wait. And when you're a star, they let you do it. You can do anything. Grab them by the pussy. Grab them by the pussy? They blew a gasket when he said, cling to your Bible. And you're going to tell me you would be okay if our first black president used debate time to brag about the size of his dick? He referred to my hands. If they're small, something else must be small. I guarantee you, there's no problem. I guarantee you. Look, I don't know the exact definition of white privilege, but being able to talk about grabbing pussies and how big your dick is and still getting elected president, that's got to come close. (laughs) All right, that's our show. How about a hand for Reggie Brown? Reggie's going to be one of the comedians with me this year on my annual New Year's Eve in Honolulu, New Year's Night in Maui, Hawaiian tour, along with Bob Saget, and I will be at the Mirage in Vegas September 8th and 9th. I want to thank Josh Green, Michael Weiss, Kristen Soltis-Anderson, Ralph Reed, and Al Gore. Join us forever time on YouTube. Thank you, folks. Catch all new episodes of Real Time with Bill Maher every Friday night at 10, or watch him anytime on HBO On Demand. For more information, log on to HBO.com.